0: Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you have joined us for a few moments this weekend. I hope that you all had a great, great, awesome Thanksgiving. I hope all that your keto pies and your reduced calorie desserts were almost as good as the real thing in that... Uh, you're ready for this next season that's in front of us. Before we jump into our message, do want to mention the U version. Uh, if you haven't already downloaded that app, make sure that you uh, do that soon. Uh, all kinds of uh, reading plans that'll get you into God's truth. If you look under Events, search for Arlington FM, you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. And uh, next week, we're going to begin to uh, share some reading plans from the U version that will really serve us through the Christmas season. So uh, get that app on your phone, on your device, and uh, you can track along with us. Well, we are in a series uh, called The Dawn Treaders, and uh, it's a really a study through Paul's letter to the Romans, and uh, that, that title of the series is based on really the pinnacle uh, of Paul's teaching that he comes to in Romans chapter 13. He says, look, folks, uh, all the commandments of God are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of all of God's laws and expectations. And uh, Paul says, now uh, do this, commit yourself to fulfilling God's highest requirement uh, because you understand the present time that we're in. Uh, The hour, Paul says, has already come for you to wake up from slumber because our salvation is nearer now. God is active. Uh, It's nearer now than when we first believed. In fact, then he gives this wonderful word picture. uh, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and let's put on the armor of light. And that's really the invitation of this series, that we would learn uh, how to live beyond the chaos and uh, all of the uh, the issues that swirl uh, in our world, uh, knowing that God is still active, and he's active in our lives, and we can choose to live into that kingdom that Jesus brought about. Uh, you know, I love this picture, and yet another picture of the summit of Mount Everest, and really, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the pinnacle that Paul is calling us to, not so much the pinnacle of Mount Everest But it is a, at times, perilous journey uh, from where we start uh, to get to that place where we're actually loving our neighbor as ourselves. And uh, many people get distracted. Uh, Even religious people get distracted from that, that number one essential calling of God to learn how to love people the way that God loves us. I was speaking with one of my neighbors recently, And uh, she informed me, she said, you're going to see an RV parked outside my house soon, and uh, I'll be taking off, hitting the road, going to visit some friends, uh, maybe gone a couple of months, maybe six months. In fact, she said, I may never come back. I may have my house put up for sale. And uh, as our conversation unfolded, she said she was uh, looking uh, for some place where the values might seem more congruent with her own, and, uh, where uh, things kind of lined up a little better than they did in her current place. And, you know, I wish her well. I hope that she finds that. Uh, but part of me is thinking, good luck with that, because here's the reality. Uh, really, the issues that we encounter in life, they're global. They're not just in our part of the world. In fact, Jesus said it like this, uh, as things progress, with the human condition and its drift away from God. He said, because of the increase of wickedness, because of, you might say, because of the increasing distance that people have from God, the love of most people is going to grow cold. That's just a a reality that we're going to have to deal with. I love the way the message version translates these words of Jesus. Uh, It says, for many others, the overwhelming spread of evil we will do them in. It's just become too much. I'm getting out of here. There'll be nothing left of their love, but a mound of ashes. And see, here's the truth. Even deeply religious people find ways to be deeply religious and not fulfill the single requirement of God, which is to learn how to love others the way that God loves us and extends to us his unmerited favor. Uh, see, here's the the big issue that Paul will begin to deal with in his letter to his friends in Rome. It, it, the nature of sin. You know, that's a big word, uh, sin. Many of us don't like to talk about it. Uh, really, uh, here's what it means to miss the mark. As if, uh, you know, you're aiming at a target. Well, the sin means you missed it. In fact, you didn't just miss the bullseye. You missed the entire target. Uh, you could say that uh, to sin is to wander from the path that God has laid out for us, uh, to wander from the path of honor and to go a wrong way, uh, to wander from the the values of God and the priorities of God, and to violate God's law is sin. And uh, as Paul has uh, written this letter to his friends in Rome, uh, and as we've seen The drift away from the influence of God is to drift into sin. Uh, It's to not only miss the mark, but to not know what the mark is. And so Paul uh, highlights again and again that uh, all of us have drifted uh, onto this path. And even religious people, as I said, can construct a way of doing religion that is sinful, that entirely misses the mark of fulfilling God's laws, which is to learn to love others the way that God loves us. Uh, Paul said in chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, uh, in our journey through this letter, we come to chapter 6, 7, and 8, and uh, hear this, uh, Paul uses the words sin, death, and flesh uh, nearly... Uh, 50 times uh, in those three chapters. Uh, But also, hear this, uh, Paul uses the words grace, life, and spirit uh, equally uh, as many times. And and you really begin to get the feeling that these two categories of behavior are are pitted against each other. And uh, here's the truth, both sets of these remain throughout our lives, Uh, sin, death, and flesh, Uh, We all think, you know, that was part of who I was before I came to faith. Uh, And then I experienced grace, life, and the Spirit. Uh, That simply isn't true. I I think if we look at our own lives, but certainly at the teaching of Paul, he says that even people of faith uh, have to deal with these two competing realities, sin, which brings forth death, and it really is part of our flesh, or grace, which brings forth life. And uh, it is, we, we're guided into it by the Spirit of Jesus. And uh, these continue uh, throughout. In fact, uh, here's, here's a truth that Paul brings to light continually throughout his letter. is some of the worst expressions of sin, death, and flesh come wrapped in religious robes. Uh, hear that again, because that's a, that's a shocking truth. Some of the worst expressions in this world of sin and death and flesh come wrapped in religious robes. Uh, Jesus often confronted uh, people who uh, supposedly were honoring God in this way. He said, you Pharisees, you religious scribes, you know-it-alls, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're all put together on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. And so uh, Paul is calling us to recognize uh, the reality of that. Uh, You know, it's possible to have a well-put-together religious exterior, but on the inside, we're moving no closer to fulfilling the one law that really matters most to God, which is loving our neighbors, loving our enemies with the kind of sacrificial self-giving that Jesus so clearly demonstrated through his death and resurrection, and uh, here's my invitation. If we really want to be dawn treaders, if we want to be those kinds of Christ followers who are living in a new kingdom, uh, the brightness of the coming day that that he has introduced, uh, that we really want to lean into these next three chapters, six, seven, and eight, and uh, really catch what Paul is teaching about this pull in this dynamic between sin, death, and flesh, and uh, the Spirit of God, the grace of God, bringing about the life of God. And so uh, really to set up chapter 6, we need to uh, look at the end of chapter 5 a bit. In Romans 5, verse 12, uh, Paul says this, therefore, just as sin, missing the mark, uh, straying from God, entered the world through one person, through one man, And death came through sin in this way. Death came to all people because all have sinned. And uh, here's what Paul is saying, uh, that uh, when Adam uh, chose uh, to distance himself from the the wisdom and the counsel of God, sin entered into the world. And uh, because we are all sons and daughters of Adam, sin has entered into our world you know, uh, my wife and I and some of our kids uh, did some DNA testing a few months ago. And, uh, you know, we were curious. Uh, my father uh, changed his name uh, to Shockey. Well, the name before that was Stutsky, And uh, we had a pretty good idea that uh, my dad probably had a lot of Polish uh, heritage in him. And uh, so we did our DNA testing, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I am over 51% uh, Polish, and uh, which means my dad was pretty much uh, Polish through and through. And uh, uh, the reason I share that is uh, if you'll check your DNA, you're probably going to find this. There's a good chance you're human. There's a good chance you're related to Adam. Uh, the truth is we all are. And Paul says when Adam chose to distance himself from the clear revelation of God. Sin, death, uh, flesh became prominent in Adam. And lo and behold, because we're descendants of Adam, uh, sin enters our lives. Uh, But Paul goes beyond that. He says, uh, we not only inherited sin, we chose sin. We decided that we liked doing life distant from God that we liked kind of shaping our own value system and really not having God meddle too thoroughly with it. Like Adam, we've drifted from the clear revelation and the presence of God, his power and his goodness. And uh, Paul makes this point, sin inevitably leads, leads to death. We can't distance ourselves from the will and the purpose and the kindness and the revelation of God without experiencing death, and that death is uh, all kinds. It's uh, death spiritually in our connection to God. It's death within our own selves. It's physical death someday, which we will all die. Newsflash, you're going to die someday. I'm going to die someday. Uh, Really, the the reality Paul is uh, pointing us to is that all of us are dead in our sins before God Intervened on our behalf. And here's uh, Paul's point again that even though we're now alive in Christ, we've uh, opened up to the truth of God coming to us in the person of Jesus, our lives can still be more characterized by sin, death, and flesh than by the uh, grace and the life and the Spirit of God. And so here's my message, the title of my message today is we need to figure out how to walk away from the grave. Uh, You know, all of us have experienced the death of sin, the death of distance from God. All of us will one day experience physical death. Well, how do we walk away from the grave and walk into grace and life and towards the Spirit of God? Well, uh, as I thought about this title, I was reminded of an experience I had in high school where uh, one night... My friends and I got it in our minds that we were going to go to a cemetery, and uh, we knew that there was a a building there. I don't even know we knew what it was called at that time, but it's a mausoleum. And uh, if you've kind of lost touch with that term yourself, uh, a mausoleum is an external freestanding building uh, constructed as a monument enclosing the internment space or burial chamber of a deceased person or people. And uh, this particular mausoleum was large. And so there were a lot of remains of deceased people in there. And uh, my friends and I decided it would be good to go uh, down in the dark of night. I don't know that it was Halloween, but it was certainly a creepy night when we went there. Lots of fog. And uh, we walked around the building, which, you know, I was kind of cool with. And uh, then my friends found a way to climb up on top. Well, I was beginning to think twice about this, but followed them up, and uh, we're on top of this mausoleum, and uh, my friends found an opening and decided that they would like to climb down inside the mausoleum. And at this point, I'm like, uh, okay, this is definitely not a good idea. Uh, So uh, they all went down, and uh, I decided I wasn't going to do this. Uh, So I actually ended up climbing back over the side of the building and waiting for them. Well, as I was waiting, uh, lo and behold, I saw a police car come into the cemetery, and I did what many of you would do. I hid behind a gravestone, and I watched this police car drive up to the mausoleum. Lights came on. Uh, They went up on the roof. They extracted my friends one at a time. I saw them uh, from behind the gravestone. I saw them being loaded into the, the police unit, and off they went. And uh, here I was, still behind this uh, gravestone, uh, alone on this creepy night. And uh, I did what any of you would do. I walked away from the grave and uh, got out of there uh, very quickly. In fact, when I made it home, my friends had already been released from their imprisonment. But, uh, you know, I thought of that story. And uh, each of us uh, have to make a choice that we're going to walk away from the grave of sin and death and flesh, and we're going to walk towards the grace and the life and the spirit of God. And so uh, Paul begins to expand on this idea. He says, look, the gift that God gave us in Christ is not like the trespass of Adam. Uh, For if many of us died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace, you see that uh, word grace showing up again and again, Uh, How much more did grace come to us through the one man, Jesus Christ? And it overflowed to many. And so if if we're all sinners, dead in our trespasses because of our relationship to Adam, Paul says we can now all experience life because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. He goes on, for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace And the gift of being right with God, how much more will they reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So uh, here's the deal. Uh, Paul is saying that uh, through Jesus, God changed the laws of physics. Uh, No longer does our sin have to result in death and distance from God. Uh, Now our sin can propel us uh, into the grace and mercy of God. You could say it like this. God wants people to reign in life. Uh, That's the truth. God wants you to reign in life, as Paul says in this passage. Well, Jesus made a way for us to do that. And so he goes on, he says in verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Now, that's a crazy statement, uh, but Paul is basically saying, look, God gave the commandments. He gave the laws uh, to the Israelites so that it would become apparent just how desperately lost in sin They really were. Uh, But where sin increased, God's grace increased all the more. So uh, the sinfulness and the lostness of people highlighted the gracious nature of God. Uh, So that just as sin once reigned in death, so also grace might now reign through righteousness to bring about life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And see, uh, Paul is really making a point that will go through the rest of his letter, that the only way out of sin and certain death is grace and certain life. And uh, the more desperate our need is, the more potential we have to experience the grace of God. Hear that again. The more desperate, the more broken, the more sinful, the more apparent our death is, the more we become candidates for the incredible unmerited favor and grace of God. Uh, Jesus said it like this. uh, The one who is forgiven much loves much. Uh, The one who knows how desperately they needed the grace of God in turn loves God all the more. You know, uh, people misunderstand the Ten Commandments when they think that they can actually keep them, uh, and they become through their efforts, religious snobs. Hear that again? Uh, People misunderstand the giving of the law, the giving of the Ten Commandments, and when they assume that they're actually doing a fairly good job of keeping them, they're becoming uh, religiously superior over those poor saps who can't quite live up to their standards. And Paul is saying, look, that's not why the law was given. The law was given so that sin would become more clear and more apparent and people would become more desperate for the grace and mercy of God. Uh, Paul is talking about this very thing to one of his young uh, leaders, to Timothy, and uh, Paul is talking about the misuse of the law and people misunderstanding it. And here's what he says, uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, here's a trustworthy saying, and it deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Uh, Can can we all say that? Uh, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves absolutely full acceptance. Uh, don't, Don't take this in with guarded mind. Christ Jesus came into the world to save people who were dead in their sins. And Paul says, I am the worst. He goes on. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. What's Paul saying? He's saying when sin increases, uh, grace becomes all the more apparent so that our brokenness really serves to highlight the generosity, and the grace of God. Now, if you're a thinking person, you're starting to connect the dots and thinking, well, if, if my sin, if my bad choices, if my rebellious lifestyle only serves to heighten the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, maybe I should just keep sinning. In fact, that's where Paul goes, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He says, what shall we say about all this? Shall we go on sinning so that grace May increase in fact a, a few verses later Paul will say shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace and uh, maybe a, a more modern way of saying that would be if my sinning makes me an example of God's grace why should I stop sinning uh, why not live it up why not uh, distance myself from God uh, do the things that perhaps lead to death knowing I'm not going to be judged for those things. It'll be covered by the grace of God. Uh, Shall I keep on sinning and missing the mark, knowing that God's grace is going to be magnified through my brokenness? Well, uh, that's a question apparently Paul's readers were asking. And here's his answer. By no means. Uh, We are people who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And, uh, now Paul begins to build on this uh, what a response to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ uh, really entails. It means uh, acknowledging that when I distanced myself from God, uh, I was missing the mark and I bore the fruit of that. My life was coming undone. My spirituality was uh, was dying. Uh, I was experiencing death on every front and when I discovered Jesus and saw that he wanted to graciously restore me to my connection, to my creator, uh, Paul is saying, in a sense, we died to a life without God's influence. We said, that's that's enough of that. Been down that road, been there, done that, and I'm ready to open up to the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. And so Paul now refers to that uh, initial step of obedience to Jesus, which uh, in in the New Testament church, was the step of baptism. He says, don't you realize that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now he begins to speak of the cross. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. That's an amazing A bit of symbolism that Paul attaches to this step of obedience. I've become a believer that God revealed himself in the person of Jesus through what he did, through what he taught, uh, through his uh, sacrifice on the cross. Uh, God raised him from the dead. I believe that message of hope. And uh, Paul says when we then are baptized, we join Christ uh, in that death that burial and that resurrection. Uh, He goes on, he says, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self, our way of doing life at distant from God was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died with Christ has been freed from sin. See, uh, here's the goal of the grace of God and the incredible gift of Jesus Christ, uh, that we should no longer be enslaved to a way of life that um, fears the intrusion of God, that would rather keep God in a safe spot You know, where we can uh, have our belief systems, but choose our own uh, lifestyle and priority, uh, not wanting to be strongly influenced by the will of God. Uh, Paul is saying that was a way of life that was uh, sin and death. And through our identification with Jesus and his obedience to the Father's will, uh, we can step into a new way of doing life uh, where we can now be intimate with God, transparent with God, receptive to God's uh, viewpoints and priorities and perspectives, and uh, we can be liberated from this tendency that we all have to uh, fear God and believe that our best good is found in being independent uh, of God's uh, leadership and direction in our lives. Paul expands this, this way of approaching a new life. He says in verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, uh, this important application in verse 11, Paul says, in the same way. Count yourselves dead to a life distant from God, dead to missing the mark, dead to uh, choosing to distance ourselves from God's will. Consider yourself dead to that, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, see, this is, this is not religious talk. This is reality. Uh, Paul is saying when we opened up to Christ, uh, we identified uh, with his death, uh, with his burial, with his resurrection, with his obedience to God, knowing uh, that there is certain victory that comes when we yield uh, to the leadership of our Heavenly Father. Uh, The door is unlocked. The chains are loosed. We're free uh, to walk away from a life of enslavement uh, to uh, our appetites and our desires, but we often don't. We often stay stuck. As we said, those elements of sin uh, and death and flesh continue to vie against the, uh, the elements of grace and life and the spirit of Jesus Christ. I uh, recalled uh, hearing a man's personal story who wrestled uh, most of his adolescent and adult life with uh, drug addictions. And uh, as he tells his story, going through decades of uh, continually worsening uh, addictive habits addicted to heroin. In fact, his brother joined him uh, in his uh, journey down that dark road, and his brother died of an overdose. But he continued to use, continued to use, and as he told his story, story, he went through various treatment programs, uh, some of the best that could be offered, but he always returned to his addiction until one day he said he just woke up and he had a novel thought, And here was the thought, I don't need to live like this. And he chose not to. Uh, After decades of using and various treatments, he had this revelation, I don't need to keep doing this. And that's exactly what Paul is leading us toward, that uh, when we opened up to Jesus Christ and identified with his death and burial and resurrection, sin lost its hold on us. We no longer have to do life Uh, somehow keeping God at a safe distance, we can now be wonderfully intimate and open and receptive to the influence and the leadership of God. Uh, And so uh, Paul takes us to this this wonderful conclusion uh, to these truths about uh, our own experience of death and life. Here's what he says, verse 12. Therefore, uh, because of all these things, do not let sin... Reign or direct or call the shots in your mortal body. He's getting very personal here. So that you obey its evil desires. There's a part of us in our mortal bodies that would choose to live aloof from God. Paul says, don't do that anymore. In fact, verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather... Offer yourselves to God as those who have been purchased from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Now, think about that. As I said, uh, Paul's getting very personal here. He's saying, look, because of what Jesus has done for us, all of us, uh, sons and daughters of Adam, all of us dead in our sins and trespasses, all of us on that journey drifting away from the reality of God's presence. Paul is saying because Jesus has reversed that and grace can now rule our our lives, we no longer have to be ashamed before God. We no longer have to perform before God. We've received his unmerited favor. So as a result, offer every part of your body as an instrument Uh, for God to express his goodness through. And I would just ask you to make that personal uh, for a moment. Let's start with our eyes. Uh, How many of you know our eyes can be used uh, for evil? Our eyes can invite death into our lives. I Just think of someone uh, addicted to pornography. Uh, Think of the ways that our eyes uh, become doors uh, into our souls. And and Paul is saying, uh, how about... We learn now because uh, of grace rules, because we're no longer enslaved to our fallen nature. How about using those eyes uh, as instruments of doing God's will? Uh, How about seeing the the world the way Jesus saw the world? How about seeing people the way that Jesus sees people, where he looked upon the broken and the outcasts? He noticed those who were uh, distant, from the religious people and he made a beeline for him uh, how about our ears uh, how about uh, the things that we take in the things that we listen to that corrupt our hearts that embitter our minds uh, how about we use our ears to glorify God since we are no longer slaves to sin uh, how about our appetites and our desires and the things we long for in life you know we can uh, we can cut our heavenly Father out of the picture. We can have our religious beliefs, but pursue the things that really uh, we want in life. How about we turn those wants and those desires into opportunities for God to meet all of our needs according to his riches? And you could take this as far as you want. You know, the scriptures talk about the the less honorable parts of our bodies are given greater honor, uh, knowing that it's those uh, those parts of our bodies that we don't show everyone uh, that can lead us down the darkest paths. Uh, Paul is saying, use every part of your body as an instrument to express God's goodness and his righteousness. And if we'll lean into that, uh, we'll, we'll begin to allow grace to lead us to life and experience the, the fellowship and the nearness of his spirit. Well, I want to end uh, with an amazing uh glimpse of Jesus doing something really uh, special for one of his friends, one of his close friends, a guy named Lazarus. In fact, uh, Lazarus uh, is kind of a picture of all of us. Lazarus died, and uh, Jesus uh, came uh, to his tomb where he had been buried for four days, and uh, really uh, used this as an example of what he desires to do for all people. But uh, as Jesus approached the tomb, there was a lot of grief, as you might expect, a lot of heartache. Uh, And when Jesus, uh, after he had uh, shared the grief of his friends, circle of friends, he said, remove the stone from the tomb uh, to which there were protests. Well, Lord, he's been in there four days. There's going to be an aroma. It stinks in there. And uh, Jesus had to remind them that he sees things differently. He does, he does things differently than we would. And so the stone is rolled away, and we're told in John 11, verse 43, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. Uh, you might say dead man walking. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. And let him go this is an incredible uh, example uh, of really what happens with all of us when we when we hear the voice of God through the person of Jesus Christ when we turn and we receive uh, his gift of grace and mercy and we are reconciled restored to God we come out of our tombs we're no longer dead towards God Uh, but here's the deal like Lazarus we still have the grave clothes binding us up, uh, hindering our forward movement. And I think that's such a picture of what Paul is inviting us into. Where in these chapters 6, 7, and 8. You know, we hear uh, about sin and death and our flesh and the law. But we also hear about grace and life and the spirit of Jesus Christ to unbind us, to liberate us so that we can live into this uh, resurrection life that he has made available to us. Uh, I wanna invite you to join me in a prayer. And uh, as we do, look at this uh, last slide here. And uh, it's really an invitation uh, that I wanna extend to us that as we walk away from our graves, we would be walking away from missing the mark of hardening our hearts and uh, dulling our ears to the wisdom and the counsel of God. And we would be moving towards grace that wonderful unmerited favor we have with God. We would be walking away from death and, and the, uh, the heartache that we bring into our own world, uh, and we would be moving towards the life that God so lavishly wants to release in us, and we would really be learning how to overcome uh, those old patterns, those old habits, those old dispositions that continue uh, to move us away from God's best for our lives, and we would learn to relax and lean into the leadership of his spirit. Well, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your greatness. We see through all of creation that you are all powerful, but we also see, God, that you are entirely good. And we thank you that you have brought that revelation back into clarity in our minds and our hearts through the person of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you were willing to give it all for us. Uh, through your death, you made a better choice than Adam, our forefather. Uh, you chose to fully surrender to the will of God, and because of that, you released life to all of us. And Lord, we just want to open up to that as we never have before and pray that we would not be like those uh, those Pharisees, those religious leaders who were all gussied up on the outside, but inside we're still so very far away from learning to love others the way that God is loving us. And so, Lord, uh, do do something uh, powerful uh, within our inner person this morning. And if you're hearing these words, you've never uh, identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus. You've never claimed that gift as your own, but there's something in you that's ready uh, to do that. Let me lead you into prayer. Uh, you would just say this out loud or agree in your heart. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for offering me a better way. Uh, Thank you for uh, giving me the choice uh, to either continue uh, in my sin and my death, calling my own shots, or to respond to your grace, to be filled with your life, and to be led by your spirit. Lord, I want to open up to that. I want to thank you uh, for the gift uh, of forgiveness, for your mercy. Lord, let me be an example of your grace and your kindness. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Teach me how to walk away from my grave and into your life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.